Well, Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, we finished last week's sermon focusing on the first part of that powerful statement, as for me. And I shared with you that secret that made all the difference for me in my life. Do you remember the secret? The secret of becoming the best loving leader of your home or your church is to become the best follower you can be. The secret to becoming the best loving leader that you can be is to become the best follower that you can be. Biblical leadership is really just being first in line to follow Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 11.3 says, But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. Jesus said over and over that he came not to do his own will, but the will of his Father. You see, the example of biblical leadership is Jesus himself and Jesus in biblical followership. There is no greater leader in all the pages of our Bible. He is the only example for us to follow, to emulate, that we're supposed to follow in the Bible. It is his leadership that is the example of followership. He is the only person who could have, by his own will and power, made it all happen. But he didn't. Jesus said in John 5.19, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. Then the first challenge of being a loving leader for our families and in our churches is to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. At the heart of the problem of why men struggle with being loving leaders in their homes and in the church is that they are not willingly being led by the loving leader of their lives, Jesus Christ. We cannot lead our homes, we can't lead our church until we are fully devoted followers of God, daily dependent disciples, and all on the altar living sacrifice for God, 100% sold out to Jesus as the leader of your life. I hope each man, every single man in this room has made that type of commitment to Jesus Christ. Have you fallen in the ranks behind your leader? Have you stepped up and said, Yes, I'm not looking back. And with every strength and dude, I will purpose to have an open and honest, a passionate and real, a daily dependent, faithful and loving relationship with Jesus. Well, as I reflected back on the sermon, I, I realized that there was a strong calling for men to get serious about following their leader. But I didn't give any practical steps on what does that look like. Today I want to, us to look at three orders from the commander on what it means to follow. What does it look like as for me? You know, in Joshua chapter 5, Joshua comes face to face with Jesus, the second person in the Trinity. When Jesus appears in the Old Testament, it's called a theophany, a visible manifestation of God. There are several places throughout the Old Testament where the second person of the Trinity, where Jesus appears. He appears to Abraham at the great trees of Mamre. 
He wrestles with Jacob. He stands in the midst of a fiery furnace in Daniel with Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah. And he also appears in Joshua chapter 5, where he says, When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And he said, And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped him and said, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off the sandals off your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. So men, let's take this imagery this morning. Let's take this imagery this morning for us today, Jesus as the commander of the army of the Lord. Imagine with me that Jesus is standing before us, the commander of the army of the Lord, and we fall down before him, pledging to follow whatever he commands, just like Joshua did. What would be some of those first commands that he would give us? Let's look at the, some three foundational commands that, that Jesus would give us that would make all the difference in being a fully committed, 100% sold out, daily dependent follower of Jesus Christ. The first order from the commander of the Lord's army for us is to study the field manual. Psalm 119, 9-16 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I meditate on your precepts. I fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight on your statutes. I will not forget your word. You see, there's no possible way to follow our commander if we don't understand what he is doing and if we don't understand what he wants us to do. Can you imagine being in the military and not understanding what your commander wants? Not only would you be a bad soldier, but you would be a foolish soldier. Your commander knows more than you and he wants to train you and equip you. Your commander knows more than you and he wants to provide for you and to protect you. To be a good follower, we need to know our commander. We need to know what he has done for us. We need to know his strategies for life. We need to know his expectations. The best way to know the commander is to read the field manual, to study it and to do it. In just these few verses there in Psalm 119, it said for us, it challenged us to keep God's word, to seek God's word with all of our hearts, to store up God's word in our hearts, to be taught God's word, to declare God's word, to delight in God's word, to meditate on God's word and to not forget it. Every man here should be striving 
to at least read a chapter a day in the field manual. At least be reading a chapter a day in the field manual. Just start in the New Testament and you'll be surprised how your commander will teach you and lead you. Read the chapter and ask yourself two questions. What does the passage mean and how can I apply it to my life? Read a chapter a day in the field manual. Ask yourself two questions. What does the passage mean and how can I apply that to my life? To be a loving leader, we have to have the focus to be the best, most equipped follower of God that we can be. And the commander's main tool for equipping his followers is the field manual, the word of God. Well, the second order to hear from our commander of the Lord's army is to regularly debrief with him. The best way to truly know that you're following the orders of your commander is to talk to him. And to listen to him. We call it prayer. Our commander Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 verses 7 through 11 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. The one who knocks it will be open. Or which one of you, if a son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish... We'll give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? You know, as, as a father, we work, we work hard to provide and to give good gifts to our wives and to our children. How much more will our Father in heaven, who is the most ultimate Father ever, Give good gifts to those who ask. We have not, because we ask not. And we ask not, because we can take care of things ourselves. Then God wants to help us to be the godly husband and father, the godly leader that we want to be, but we need to ask. We need to talk to God. Talk to him in the car when you're driving to work. Ask him to prepare your heart to, to do a diligent job at work and to serve the people that you're with. Talk to him in the car when you're driving home to prepare your heart to love and support and encourage your wife and your children. Talk to him at the dinner table. Lead your family in prayer. Thanking God for his loving provision of the physical food, the amazing meal that's before you, but also thank him for the spiritual food, for your family, for all the things um, that he has done. Talk to him about the temptations that you face. Talk to him about the aspirations of your heart. Talk to him about becoming a better husband and father. Talk to him, asking him how he wants you to serve him. Here's a question that I've been asking myself Daily this week, I wrote it at the top of a piece of paper, this question. Jesus, how do you want me to follow you today? So I wrote that question out. Jesus, how do you want me to follow you today? And then as I was thinking and praying, I was listening for the answer. Jesus, where do you want to lead me today? 
What do you want to do with me today? How do you want me to follow you today? Show me. I think you'll, you'll find, if you did that, that it became more than just a sanctified to-do list. Jesus did confirm with me over and over again things that I need to do. But Jesus also prompted a to-be list. See, my list didn't just have things to accomplish, activities to do, but things to be, character growth and changes that God wants me to pursue. See, so often with God, we get so focused on the outward acts of serving Him and serving others through Him that we lose sight that inwardly He wants us to change. He wants to make us more holy. He wants to conform us to the image of His Son. What does God want you to do? What does God want you to be? Actions and attitudes, service and holiness, sacrifice and humility. So try it. Ask that question. Write it down. Jesus, how do you want me to follow you today? Then pray and think and listen and write it down. Follow the orders of our commander. We need to regularly debrief with him, to regularly ask him, to talk to him, and to listen to him. Well, the third order from the commander of the Lord's army is to at least weekly check in with headquarters. We need to be reading the field manual. We need to be regularly debriefing with our commander. And we need to be weekly gathering together with other followers of the commander for training and instruction. Hebrews 10, 24-25 says, And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And brothers and sisters, may I say to you, if 2,000 years ago they could see the day drawing near, perhaps we as well could see that day drawing near and thus be encouraged, motivated to gather Together, Man, we need to have a real commitment to coming to church every Sunday. Every Sunday that you are able to come to church. The commitment to learning from God's Word. The commitment to being discipled as a follower of Christ. The commitment to exercising our God-given part in the body of Christ is critical. It starts with you in the home and then it permeates through the whole family. Long before I was a pastor... I was a faithful and committed church attender. Since I believed that the church was the body of Christ, I believed that the church was God's ordained plan where he wanted to make me a disciple of him. I believed that God had specific plans for me and how he wanted to use me in his body. It only made sense to me that I needed to be there. It's not rocket science. Anybody want to go to a doctor that went to medical school whenever he felt like it? You know, anybody want to go to a doctor that skips out on regular, ongoing training? No, you see, we want to go to a doctor that excelled at medical school. We want to go to a doctor that loves to learn more and more about the medicines and the healing of the body. Not a one of us wants to go to a partially committed, somewhat skilled, Gets training only when he's forced to, doctor. 
You see, I want to be the best disciple, the best Christian, the best follower of Christ that I can be. I want to be the best father, the best husband, the best friend that I can be. And so do you. You see, church is one of God's divine ordained tools that he uses to make us and mold us and change us, to craft us so that we can be more like him, so that we can be the best that we can be. Men, to be a good follower of Christ, you need to regularly come to church. Settle that question once for all. As for me, I'm going to church. By being a good follower of Christ and going to church, therefore, you become a good leader in your home, taking your family to church. Do not abdicate this role of spiritual leadership in your family to your wife. It's so often done. Step up and said, and make it your commitment to come to church and lead your family in making church a regular and growing commitment in your life. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So our commander orders, read and study the field manual. Regularly debrief with him and at least weekly gather together at headquarters. Following these three foundational commands will make all the difference in being a truly committed, 100% sold out, on fire, life follower, daily dependent disciple of Jesus Christ. These substantive ways of following Christ in your life will in turn become influential ways of leading your family. Well, now let's focus a little bit on the second half there of Joshua's statement, as for my house. I want to take a few moments this morning and go back and review the frame around our family portrait. What is the biblical framework that holds the family together? Remember, there are two essential truths that make up the frame of our marriage. The first truth of the frame is that men and women are fundamentally equal. They are ontologically equal. They are equal in their being. There is fundamental equality between men and women. This is a fundamental biblical truth. We see that from the very moments of creation when God created men and women equal. Spells it out for us there in Genesis chapter 1 verses 26 and 27. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. After our own likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. At creation, man and woman were both made in the image of God. Men and women stand equal before God's eyes, both carrying the dignity of his image and both carrying the responsibilities for their souls, both carrying the worth of their maker and both carrying the consequences for their own actions. There's an important verse in the New Testament that talks about this. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, it says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female, for you are all one. In Christ Jesus. In Christ we are one body, equally valuable, 
equally important. It doesn't matter your nationality. It doesn't matter your social status. It doesn't matter your gender. We are all equal, unequivocally, together as one in Christ. The Bible is clear. Men and women are fundamentally equal and stand before God as their own unique creations of God. In no way whatsoever is there any difference between men and women in our being. We are equal image bearers of God and one in Christ Jesus. Well, that second biblical uh, truth that makes our frame is that men and women have functionally different roles within the family. We see this from the very dawn of creation. As Genesis 2 states, Adam was created first and put in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. In that perfect environment where there was no sin and a perfect intimate relationship with God that Adam had, that first man, Adam, found himself in need of help. He had all those animals. He named each one. He had this amazing garden that supplied his every need. Yet he was alone. There was not found a helper suitable to him. There was profoundly something missing in Adam. God said that it was not good for man to be alone. So he created Eve out of one of Adam's ribs. God created man and woman differently because he wanted to teach everyone that this relationship of marriage, this relationship of love and companionship and respect was a special creation of his. God knew all along that man needed woman. God planned all along and he was going to create two image bearers. But he chose to create in such a way as to show our need for each other, to show his loving plan for marriage, to show us that there are different functions for male and female in marriage. You see that before sin entered the world, there were these differing roles and responsibilities. Man was created first, showing male leadership and headship. Twice the Apostle Paul refers to the creation order, showing male leadership. God gave the instructions to Adam to not eat the forbidden fruit before Eve was even created. You see, it was Adam's responsibility to lead and protect his wife from that forbidden fruit. And in Genesis 3, 6, when Eve took that fruit, of the, the scripture says that Adam was right there with her. See, the first sin was Eve taking that fruit, but that second sin that, that occurred there almost simultaneously with Eve's was Adam's failure to love and protect his wife. It was Adam abdicating his leadership responsibilities to Eve. You see, men and women were made to complement each other. One as the leader and head, one as the helper and companion. Before sin entered the world, Adam was this responsible leader and Eve was this responding helper. There was this beautiful, balanced relationship of love and respect that was tainted and destroyed by sin. This mutually supportive relationship was tainted. It was in the curse to the woman that God said in Genesis 3.16 that your desire will be for your husband and he shall rule over you. It was part of the curse. It was the result of sin that husbands 
try to rule over their wives. God never intended marriage to be like that. And he doesn't want our marriages to be like that. Men, you are not the rulers of your wives. And women are not in subjugation to us. That is not the biblical picture of a proper marriage. That's the picture of a marriage polluted with sin. A marriage that godly men and women avoid. Leading, protecting, and loving is so much completely different than ruling, controlling, and domineering. Men are called to lead, not rule. We men are called to protect, not control. We are called to love, not domineer our wives. There's a significant difference. It is the clear teaching of Scripture that there are these differing roles and responsibilities for men and women when it comes to marriage and the family. A few weeks ago, we saw that wives are called to be submissive to their husbands. We saw that in several places in the Bible. In Ephesians 5, and 24, Colossians 3, 18, Titus 2, 5, 1 Peter 3, 1 and 5. The wife is called to the role of loving submission. This is the very teaching of the scripture. And as we will look at more closely this morning, God has called husbands to be the head, the leader, the loving leader of the family. So let's summarize those two main points that place the frame around the picture of the family. First, we have seen that men and women are fundamentally equal, image bearers in every way. Second, we have seen that men and women have functionally differing roles and responsibilities. The Bible teaches that the woman was given the role of submission to reflect the truth of how the church submits to Jesus. In Ephesians 5.24, the husband was given the role of a loving leader to reflect the truth of how Jesus loves and leads the church. We see that in Ephesians 5.23 and 25. God created male and female to reflect complementary truths about Jesus. See, husbands are supposed to love and lead like Jesus. And wives are supposed to love and submit like Jesus. Remember the the most ultimate scriptural illustration of both of these facts working together in relationship in perfect harmony is the Trinity, the Godhead itself. The three persons of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, 100% equal in every way equal, in every respect. The scripture also teaches that within this co-equal, co-eternal Godhead, there were these functional differing roles. We see clearly taught in the scripture the fundamental and absolute equality within the Trinity, and yet functional differing roles and responsibilities including the willing submission to one another. The Trinity is a great example for us of the equality with differing roles and submission. The Trinity, the very relationship of the Godhead, is the model, the type, the pattern, the ideal for the relationship between a husband and wife. 1 Corinthians 11.3 says, But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. Ephesians 5.23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, 
and is himself its savior. The headship or leadership role of the husband in the home is clearly spelled out in these verses and taught by implication in many, many others. But this leadership role is very specifically defined. The husband is the leader of the family as Christ is the leader of him and of the church. You see, a husband is supposed to lead his family like Christ leads his family, the church. How does Christ lead the church? What is the model, the pattern for how we men should lead our families? Well, Jesus came to serve and not be served. Jesus said, you know, uh, that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and the great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must first be your servant. Never would be first among you must be slave to all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Biblical leadership is being a servant. Authority and headship are most often best lived out through humility and service. Then is your leadership of your home characterized by service and humility? Jesus came to make our burdens light. Jesus said, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Biblical leadership is making things better and lighter, not harder and worse. Authority and headship are not about getting your way in the family, but about getting God's way in the family. Men, is the leadership of your home characterized by heavy-handedness or by gentle strength? Jesus came. John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. See, biblical leadership is participation. It's sharing. Jesus came to earth to lead us. Jesus was a proactive leader. He came and dwelt among us. God Almighty breathed our air. The Prince of Peace walked in our shoes. The creator and sustainer of the universe ate our food. He came and he got his feet and his hands dirty in their regular, everyday lives. See, biblical leadership means involvement. Biblical leadership means that you're engaged in the lives of your wife and your children striving to serve them and to love them and to lead them. Men, is the leadership in your home characterized as distant or uninvolved? Or are you participating in the daily decisions, the daily in and out activities of home life? If only, men, if only we would lead like Jesus led. See, the question is not, Are you the head of your family? The question is, are you a good or bad leader of your family? See, there is no voting here. Christ is the head of the church. That's a fact. Husbands are the head of their families. That is what the Bible teaches. So the question is, are you a good or bad leader of your family?
Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the power of your word and how it speaks directly to us, directly in our lives. It challenges us right where we are at. So, Lord, we pray for our marriages. We pray for our men. Lord, we want to follow you. We want to be the best husbands and fathers, the best follower of Christ that we can be. Help us to follow those simple but profound and life-changing truths from the Scriptures. And Lord, help us as men to, to not shirk, to not abdicate our responsibilities, but rather to stand up under them and through the work that you are doing in our lives as passionate followers of you, help us to lead to the work that you are doing in our lives, changing us to be more like you. Help us to lead our families more like you lead. May it be so. In Jesus' name, amen.